Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm KJ. You know the drill. We're back here once again to remind you about the benefits of the Dunlap Champions Club. If you haven't sampled it still, well, find one of your friends or somebody that has. Uh, you know, the spring game in the rearview mirror. Certainly uh, some other folks got an opportunity in there to enjoy what is uh, just terrific space. Every now and then when you're hanging out in the Dunlap Champions Club, an MC Hammer concert breaks out, too, so you never know what you're going to get. And if you haven't had the opportunity to even be there, you can schedule a private tour. Just call 850-644-1830. Tickets are available. It's a, it's a home schedule that uh, you'll enjoy visiting there, and particularly if we get any of those noon, noon kickoffs, you'll be air-conditioned and ready to go. Well, that is a good point. I just, in general, I didn't want to have a noon kickoff conversation, but I get your point. And the home schedule, of course, includes Miami, NC State, Louisville, Syracuse, uh, whatever it is, 644-1830, the number to call or, or, or go online, seminoles.com uh, slash tickets, and check out the Dunlap Champions Club. And we really like them because they allow us to then put this on the podcast, and it's without commercial interruption. Is that how we say it? This being Front Row Knowles. Take it away. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. Keith, good to see you. It's good to be seen. Always good to be seen. I'm excited. You know, it's supposed to be a dead time. You know, this is May. We're getting into June. I mean, it's supposed to be boring. Nothing going on. Yet we're both in good moods. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. uh, Mark this date down in history. We're both in good moods on the same day, right? (laughs) No, there actually is. There's news for a change normally, and this will come. June and July will come. But uh, right now, uh, you know, we've got news about a permanent AD, if you will, and David Coburn. There's, Did you see that coming, by the way? Uh, I, I, I sort of, to me, it's it's kind of semantics because I think ultimately his end date is probably the same as was, whether there was an interim on the title or not. But I think people kept asking, well, why is he still interim? He doesn't have any authority. So he said, okay, well, we'll just take the interim off. And- uh, for the record, <laughs> even when he was interim, he had authority. Yes, yes. Uh, but I'm talking <laughs> about the optics of it. We'll talk more about that later. But uh, more specifically, it's... 100 days from the eight launch of the ACC network. And you can chuckle, but this is coming. We've talked about it. We've been talking it about it since it's 1,000 days away. Yes, and we're going to get deeper into it. But more than that, that means it's, you know, 112 days to football season or something. Whatever the math is, we're getting closer is my point. We're inside 100 days for the checks to potentially start coming. That's what we're inside. Not to Keith and I, to the university no, exactly. and to the athletics department, Let's just to hope. clarify. Let's hope. Okay, so that said, uh, we're going to deviate from the norm just a little bit. And uh, I mentioned the ACC Network. It launches 100 days from today. This has been uh, much talked about for a number of years. And a number of years before that, when there wasn't imminent or word that this was imminent. But uh, Florida State has always been ahead of the curve in terms of the broadcast that it produces in-house. And uh, the guy behind that for years and years... Uh, is the executive producer and uh, executive director of Seminal Productions, and and you know, Mark, you'd think I'd know. I would I would officially know your title there. Mark Roden joins us. I've known Mark since probably the late '80s. How are you, sir? I'm great, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I can. Uh, so, quick aside, and then we'll get into it, and we'll talk about Seminal Productions and their role here. Uh, I knew Mark for probably close to 20 years before we were sitting at lunch one day, and we both realized that we went to the same high school. Of South Plantation yep. High School. Uh, that's a true story. <laughs> now, uh, well, there's an age difference, so it wasn't like we sat in the same classes. But nevertheless, you'd think that would have come up at some point. It never did. But uh, Mark created Seminole Productions, and, and there's been a, a lot of uh, great stories that have come out of it over the years. But I, I guess cutting to the quick here, Mark, related to the ACC Network, and I'll, I'll try to summarize this relationship with ESPN and you jump in where I'm wrong but but really the new model for doing broadcast for ESPN and it, it saves money for them instead of sending a truck and 35 crew members to do a broadcast they've built studios at all the various schools and institutions in the SEC and and now in the ACC and they're leaning on local folks there that don't have to travel in you don't have to bring in a production uh, crew you don't have to bring in a satellite truck um, and that said, that's where you come in, and Seminole Productions has been filling this role for a number of years and doing it very well. Yeah, well, thank you, Tom. Um, actually, what's happened is ESPN has partnered with the ACC, so the the revenues will be split by ESPN and ACC, but each school has been responsible for their own production facility. So in talking to some of our 
SEC brethren, you know, one of the issues that came up is, you know, you've got to fund this thing before they actually see revenue from a network. And so that's that's been a little bit of a strain on every school. But but we're there. We're we're finishing our final stages of that right now. And uh, should have everything ready to go by August when the network's ready to launch. And let's be clear. This is the reason why Tom Block and Keith Jones don't know Mark Roden's official title is because Mark has been there forever. I mean, <laughs> seriously, Mark, yeah, what, I, what year is this? I don't even know my title anymore, so it, it's fine. What, what year is this for Seminole uh, Productions? Uh, we started in 1987, so t- uh, 32 years. Well, to put that in perspective, years. Sunshine Network, which morphed into Sun Sports, did not start until 1988. So you're, right, you're, we were you're one of the first content one. providers at that time. Well, it's, a, it's an amazing story. And for our listeners that don't know, Tom and I are very, very biased because we've had the opportunity to know Mark both professionally and personally. Uh, and we've had the opportunity to do a number of, of projects with him. Uh, many of which were proved to be quite lucrative for us at one time, given the amount of time and preparation we put into it because of the skill, <laughs> the skill level of Mark's people. And secondly, and, and again, our listeners probably aren't aware of this, but being officially associated with the Department of uh, is it Communications, yes, then you, the, the, the kids that are learning the craft not only are getting the hands-on experience, but they're getting credit either through internships or classes or hours of credit in order to further their career and get their degree. So it's a great mix for just about everybody that's involved in the project. Sure. It's a a win-win for academics and athletics. I mean, the students are learning in real life experience and they're getting credit for it. And again, you know, where can you go to school where you'd have the opportunity to work on ESPN network productions while still in school? And, and we do that. And that's part of the model with ESPN is, is tapping into those students so it keeps the cost down, they learn, and then in turn, ESPN is going to keep a database of those students who excel and then have potential jobs for them down the road. So let's get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts here. You mentioned that uh, you should be on track for when the network launches. So uh, give us an idea, you know, what's the inventory and what are you adding right now in terms of studios and broadcast capabilities? Well, currently we're we're – increasing our capacity to have four control rooms. Uh, two will be pretty much for video boards and two for ESPN. And the ESPN rooms are going to be um, what we call linear ready. And linear means it's ESPN, ESPNU, ESPN2, SEC network, ACC network. Those are linear networks. And then you also have the digital streaming, which would be watch ESPN or ACC network extra. So the two rooms we're building are going to be ACC network linear capable, um, and really, it's a lot of it is because we get into situations where we have multiple sports going at the same time, and we don't have the capacity to produce all of the sports uh, if, if they're overlapping. And, and we've had many instances where we've had to kind of not show softball when we'd like to, or not show a baseball game when we'd like to, because we've had other sports or other uh, things at the same time. So. This will allow us to do multiple events at the same time at a network-level quality. And to, to fill in the blanks on that, I know one of the big overlap times is, say, the second half of February when baseball and softball are underway, but you still have men's and women's basketball. And when Mark talks about video board productions, if you're at the game, it's also the Seminole Productions crew that is doing the entire video board experience, whether it's at Doak or, or at the Tucker Center as well. So it can get it can get quite busy. Where is that going, Mark? I have not been at the athletics department in a few months now, truthfully. So if you're expanding, uh, and, and, and what closet did you take up? <laughs> well, I, that's exactly right. I mean, we've literally taken every available open space that we have to turn into uh, network space. So we're, we've taken our, our, unfortunately, our TV studio for the time being, and we've had to uh, kind of carve it up and make a control room out of it. We, we, we've taken open areas and close them in to create edit spaces so so yeah a lot of uh um literally closets as you say is actually true we've taken every closet every space that we have um for storage and for new for new uh equipment to go in i mean if you saw our facility now we literally have boxes upon boxes of equipment you know stacked against the walls waiting for the install that'll take place as soon as you know our sports season's in 
So it's it's been quite an undertaking, and um, but we're excited to see it all you know happening and starting to to finally you know get to the end stages. Now, Mark, you talk about the equipment and the hardware and the, and those types of things. Uh, one of the other things that's great about Seminole Productions, basically, is your people. You've got some folks that have been with you for a long, long time that are unbelievably talented, recognized by their peers as such. Uh, the learning curve, not nearly as big for Florida State as maybe as some of their ACC sister schools, just given the personnel that you've got on staff. Well, yeah, that's very true. I mean, I've, I've been, I've got a great staff in place. Uh, Jim Garbarino, Kirby Kander, been with me for a while. Jerry Tootle, uh, just a, a great uh, supporting cast. And they, they kind of are the ones that make it all go. Um, you know, Kirby's running the live event side of it right now. And um, I will say I'm proud that, that most, if not all, of our employees are former students. So, you know, when they graduate, and the ones that excel, we end up hiring, and we even hire them while they're in school. So, um, you know, again, it takes people don't realize this, but it takes anywhere from twenty to twenty-five people on average to do one live event, and we do two at a time. If you count basketball, where we're doing an ESPN broadcast and a video board, I mean, we have thirty-five, forty people sometimes doing one game, and so it takes a lot of people. And and it's like I said, it's great for students and. Um, and I've got a great staff that, that, you know, have to have in place to make that work. Because you can have, you know, it's like you say, you can have a Lamborghini, but if you don't have a good driver, you're not going to do anything. So it's, it's great to have the people that know how to make it run. Can you use an analogy I can uh, relate to directly, Mark? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, so let's say you have a, a Beetle bug, <laughs> a VW, and... Yeah, that was better. Th- thanks for dumbing okay. it down for me. Sure. Hey, so let me let, let's give some perspective. So, uh, how many events were produced this past year? Understanding that you probably still have a few more to go, based on softball being in the postseason here. Well, typically the um, ACC ESPN contract calls for eighty digital minimum of eighty digital uh, per year. So that's eighty streaming on which will be ACC Network Extra, um, and then. Uh, we, we've done, uh, seven linear this year for ESPN2 or ESPNU or ESPN. And, uh, with the network launch, they're anticipating anywhere from 30 to 40 linear on top of the 80 digital. So that's, you know, somewhere around 120, 130, um, you know, live production games in a season. And, you know, and again, the season's pretty much, you know, mid August to, mid-june so for 10 months you've got a game almost every other day and it's it's quite an undertaking in addition to the video boards which you've got home football games home basketball games men's and women in addition to your coaches shows in addition to the specials that you do uh some scheduling has to go into that no question yeah and that's that's one of the big things in athletics we're talking about is being flexible with scheduling um getting the coaches to be a little more coordinated with scheduling um, so that, you know, we don't have a baseball and softball game at the same time. There's at least some kind of gap between them or basketball and everybody trying to work together to do that. And in fact, the ACC network uh, is going to, you know, there's going to be some different scheduling and things that, you know, we would do on a day that we normally wouldn't do it because the network needs content. So you'll, you might expect to see a baseball game on a Wednesday or, you know, a Thursday, things that you don't normally see, because of the network, you know, dictating, you know, when things will start. Mark, going back, you mentioned seven linear events this year. I, I just read recently, and and I, you'll know, but I don't recall if it was Virginia Tech or Virginia, but one of those schools just did its first ever linear broadcast. And so, yeah, that, go ahead. I say that's true. We we've actually done uh, thirty six linear uh, over the last few years up to this point. Um, including ESPN primetime. Now, ESPN, um, they, they set higher standards than, for instance, ESPN2 or ESPNU, and uh, they entrusted us with an ESPN 8 o'clock Saturday night primetime softball game uh, because, again, we have good people and we have uh, the proper equipment to do it, and they're comfortable with, with our production because, like you said, we have been doing it now for a few years, so when the network launches, this isn't really going to be new to us. It's just going to be more for us. 
So how does that number compare? If if it's either the Hokies or the Cavs, they're at one end just starting, and you're at 36. Is that atop the ACC? I know there's a couple other schools who have been pretty advanced as well in their broadcasts. Uh, yeah, there's some others. Um, I mean, Louisville just finished their facility. Georgia Tech just finished their facility. But um, Notre Dame's done some for a couple years now, um, as well as, um, gosh, I'm trying to think, North Carolina has done one or two. Um, but really not a lot. I mean, it's, it's Clemson has done one or two, so not at the level that we've been doing them. Uh, really in the last year, as, as the different schools got their facilities finished, that they uh, started doing the linear broadcast. And I suspect you have uh, entertained some uh, site visits or at least uh, phone calls from your uh, compatriots saying, uh, we've run into this issue, how did you handle it? Or we've got this problem, what are our options? Uh, you, you, you've been, uh, been the Yoda uh, of moving forward, I would think. Yeah, we've, we've had a lot of conversations. A lot of people look to us and, and see what we're doing um, in the conference and out. In fact, we've had the Philadelphia Eagles come down to our facility to take a look at how we did things uh, as well. So, so we are looked at as one of the leaders around the country in what we do. And, you know, I've always had the mindset that I, I'm not afraid to be the first to do something. There are others that aren't, don't want to be, but I, I don't mind being the first because, you know, I'm like, well, we haven't done this before, but why can't we do this? So let's, let's try it. And, um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate that most things I think have been successful. We've had a few failures, but, um, but I, you know, I, I don't mind being ahead of the curve, and I've had a, we've had a good administration with athletics and the boosters as partners over the years to help support that vision and help fund it because you know this is not inexpensive equipment, but they want to do the best for their fans and they want the fans to have a great experience, so they're willing to spend the money to to do what we need to do to give them that. That leaves just one big question, Mark. So why don't you go ahead and disclose how much revenue Florida State's going to receive annually from the ACC network? Well, that's that's the million-dollar question, or more, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. The, hopefully. Hopefully it's about $12 million. Yeah, hopefully get going. Yeah, it's a lot more. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there, are, there are numbers thrown out. I don't, uh, I don't really know what they're, what they're looking at, you know, but you know what the SEC is making. They've made that clear, and they're hoping to get, eventually get to that number, which is around $20 million at school. Um, but you know, the landscape's different now. It's not, uh, with, with, uh, a lot of people cutting the cord, there are different outlets now. So the Hulu's of the world and, uh, YouTube TV and those type of things, uh, they're just as important as your Comcast and, and direct TVs and everybody else. So, um, so that's where they're kind of looking, uh, at the future, but they've, they've already got a good start and, um, you know, hoping that the projections at least level the playing field and, and the revenue coming into the level of the playing field with the, the Big Ten, the SEC, and that's really what's important is to kind of get on an even playing field with those schools. Well, if you'd ever told me that uh, a, a 23-year-old, two-year recent graduate from Florida State would be watching the FSU-Clemson game on their iPhone while they're sitting at a Starbucks you know, I, that just doesn't compute for us old guys. So the, the, the ability to predict how viewership and the viewing experience is going to go, if, if we were able to accurately predict that, we could make a lot of money, I would think. Oh, I know. And, and you know, like you say, the viewing habits are different. But one thing about sports, and that's why the rights fees are so high for sports, is that that's the one thing people want to see live. Live content. They don't want to DVR it. They don't want to, you know, hear the score. They want to see it live. And whether it be phone or, you know, their TV. Um, and that's what's great about, you know, the ACC network is that people will get to see a lot of things live that they couldn't see in the past. Mark, that's really good insight. We'll probably have you or Kirby or somebody on as we get closer to launch. But uh, congratulations on the success so far. And uh, Paladin and pride, baby. Well, thanks, Tom. Thanks, Keith. It's always great to talk to you guys. And we look forward to hopefully a great ACC network launch soon. All right, Mark Roden from Seminole Productions. He joined us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. He, he's just a remarkable guy. He's a, you know, he, the biggest thing about Roden is, is all these years, you'll go into a meeting or you'll be talking with somebody and you'll go, well, where's Roden? Where's, where's Roden? He's the most behind-the-scenes, putting his people first, putting his people in front, behind-the-scenes guy. He doesn't worry about ego or taking credit. He just wants to get the job done.
And I've always admired that in him. He's also a, a gadget gizmo guy. So if the Consumer Electronics Show is going on or, you know, it's uh, April when it's time to get all the broadcasting folks out there, the, uh, he, he's going he's to particip- participate and see what latest uh, gizmo we need to get. Uh, sort of like Madison Social, who likes to bend the rules just a little bit uh, now and then. They, Slightly? Yeah, they take liberties with things. Tomorrow is uh, National Mimosa Day. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm sure it means something good if you head to I Madison Social. I think there's uh, orange juice and some form. Ruben Champagne Day on Friday. Involved. They bring the Reuben back the 17th of every month, so that's Friday. And this has been uh, local season, 20% off lunch if you get the locals card. Uh, I think that runs – it started on Monday. I think it runs through tomorrow, and that's at Township, Matt, so maybe Centrale as well. Wow. we got to take a break because we overstayed our welcome in that first segment. So more Front Row Knowles is coming up next. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, we continue. We'll uh, deviate away from all that ACC network talk that we had with Mark Rode. We will jump back to the ACC meetings that are going on at Amelia this week when our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld joins us. Uh, but before we go east, we'll go west, I guess, and say hello to Amy Bond, the women's golf coach at Florida State. Her team is uh, in the Nationals, the NCAA Championship Finals, yet again. This is four straight years, so we're just going to book you there every year. Congratulations, Coach. Thank you very much. I don't know if I'd book us every year, but, uh, you know, I'll take four in a row for sure. Well, and that four in a row is the longest uh, string of consecutive appearances that FSU has ever made. So to what do you attribute that success and that consistency that you've been able to piece together with your program? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is is I've got a great group of coaches that I'm surrounded by uh, each and every day that, that help make us better, make the players better. And then the caliber of player that's now looking at Florida State, you know, when you when you bust onto the national scene and you, you become visible, the better players start to look at you. So all the players that have come before us have helped build um, what we have now, but it's really good, talented players who buy into what we're trying to accomplish each and every day. Coach, to that end, you know, we're, we talk about football and five-star recruits, and we talk about baseball as they're trying to make the, the postseason. You guys, as Tom has mentioned, fourth consecutive time at Nationals. Recruiting important for any college program, and, and you brought in a freshman that has just been dynamite this year. Yeah, Frida, Frida Schinholt is probably on paper and now on the golf course the best female golfer that's ever come through Florida State, and we've had some good ones, um, but – getting her to come to Florida State. Uh, when she actually came to school, she was the number seventh-ranked amateur in the world. And uh, now I believe she's moved up to number four. So for her, she's worked her entire career to get to this point, and we're just very thankful that she chose to be a Seminole. What what uh, clinched it for you that she chose? I mean, it's a better question for her, but why'd she, why'd she land at FSU, do you think? What, what sold her on the program? You know, I actually just found out the answer to that question yesterday. Um by reading something that the Golf Channel had put out. But basically it was the facilities that we had to offer at Florida State and the coaching staff. And that was the biggest thing. I mean, Coach Robert Duck, my assistant, worked his tail off um, to be seen and and really have a chance to to grab Frida. And then um, I just kind of swooped in and closed the deal. But Robert did most of that that work. And, of course, our facilities and all the other – things that make Florida State, Florida State, something that she bought into and absolutely loves the experience of Florida State. You mentioned the facilities, and obviously the course is uh, being completely reworked and we'll have Jack Nicholas's name attached to it. So what does that – this is a deviation from our conversation about you competing in the championships this week, but since you brought it up, what will that mean for your program once that course uh, opens up later this fall, I guess? I think it will be huge. I mean, we've always had great facilities. It's the golf course piece that – you know, we struggled with from time to time just to make it hard enough. So to have Jack Nicholas come in and, and build us this extraordinary golf course, um, which currently has very little grass on it, but they're at least starting to grow grass, um, I think is going to continue to help our program evolve because, again, you got great facilities. Now you got a championship-caliber golf course. That's what golfers are looking for. I mean, 
they want some place that's going to challenge them each and every day. And I think this golf course is certainly going to do it and potentially give us the opportunity to host the national championship at some point. So I won't be out here in, in Arkansas. I'll be right there sleeping in my own bed at night hosting the national championship. Coach, you talked about Frida. Obviously, you can't play tournaments with one player. Tell us about some of the other players on this team that you've seen great improvement with. You know, I think the, the first place to start is Amanda Doherty. She's our only junior. Um, she's surrounded by four freshmen. But Amanda's done an excellent job this year of, of becoming a leader and really uh, improving her golf game. You know, she, she certainly was a catalyst last year, but this year she's had to step up off the golf course and do a little bit more. So certainly got to give her some props, along with uh, Beatrice Wallen, who is Frida's best friend, who also chose to, to come to Florida State. But she's competed at the highest level as a freshman this year for us and was an all-ACC team member. Um, and then our four and five player currently, Kukwung Thompson and uh, Amelia Williamson. You know, when you've got a four and a five player that have shot 68 and 69 in the last couple of weeks, I like our chances when we're, when we're that deep and when you can get that when you need it. So I'm really happy with us from number one to number five. And, you know, I'm excited to see what happens this now, week because no matter what, this is it. Now, being, to be fair, now you, you've got a junior and you've got four freshmen. You're not, you're not supposed to be able to win championships with freshmen or, as I like to say, are they so ignorant they don't really appreciate where they are just yet and they just play out of their heads because they don't know any better. That's exactly it. You know, ignorance is bliss. That's what I've been saying, you know, for the last, oh, I don't know, three months because they don't know what's coming up next. And that's where Amanda's kind of helped because she's played in – this is her third straight national championship. So um, I'm not telling them anything. I mean, after we, we made it last week at Auburn – I had to sit them down at the dinner table and explain what happened at the national championship and how it works. And it's kind of fun for me, you know, that they don't have any preconceived ideas as to what's going to happen. They just go out there and take the golf course as is. And at the end of each day, they see where they fall out. Well, to that end, and I was going to ask you this question, explain the format for this because uh, you get into some match play and, and there's actually a cut of some teams at one point. I, I did, so, so walk us through and walk our listeners through how the championship is set up. Well, we start with uh, 24 teams have qualified for the national championship. So there will be 24 teams here. And you play 54 holes of stroke play. So that's three rounds. So come next Sunday, or this Sunday, I guess, um, that those 24 teams will be cut to 15. So those 15 teams will play another round of stroke play on Monday, keeping their scores from the other three days. And those 15 teams will be cut to eight. And also on that Monday, we'll, they will crown the NCAA individual champion. And then from that point, once you have the, the eight teams, those eight teams will then go to match play. And you'll play two rounds of match play on Tuesday and the finals will be on Wednesday. So we hope to be here, you know, next Wednesday competing for the national championship. But it's a long week, a really long week, but um, there's a lot of good stuff at the end of the week too. Yeah, that that's a lot of golf. And I don't uh... – you know, I don't know that you guys are familiar with this course, so tell us about the Blessings Golf Club here in Fayetteville. And uh, I guess tomorrow, Thursday, is the first. Is that the first time you guys are going to get a chance to play that course? That's the first time we're going to get to 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 see it, to play it. Um, actually, I take that back. Um, today, we'll actually get to walk around. We'll get to do a walk around. You can't go on the greens. You can't do anything. You just get to walk around and look at it. And then the practice round is is Thursday morning, and that's the one and only time we get to play the golf course before competition starts. So I honestly have never been to the Blessings. I've never seen it. No one on our staff has seen it. So we're kind of flying blind, but, hey, that's what golfers do. We get one round to peek at the golf course and then get on it. So I think the more we see it throughout the week, the better we'll get on it. But uh, we hope we have a good first impression. For sure. I, I see the theme, Coach. It's ignorance for the players and now ignorance for the coaches, too. <laughs> exactly. Every, and I hope that played. works out. <laughs> well, I hope that works out for us. We are in the information age, which can paralyze you, but you will not have uh, paralysis with analysis here if you're just getting that first look at it. But I know what you exactly. will have. You, you, you'll have success because you've got uh, a lot of talent on your team. 
and uh, you're be you're to be commended, you and your staff for uh, for for recruiting and, and piecing things together. Best of luck. Have fun in what will be a long week, but uh, it won't feel that long if you're where you want to be next Wednesday. Absolutely, and thank you guys so much, and thank y'all for the support. We certainly appreciate it. We're going to see if we can't uh, give the Seminoles something to cheer about. Excellent, Coach Amy Bond. Best of luck. Been uh, in charge of the Florida State women's golf program. Uh, I think this is year nine, so closing in on a decade, and has has done a really nice job. Very much so. And again, it goes back to recruiting and uh, that team that she's put together. We talk about it, and it's almost tongue in cheek, but they are so young that you know sometimes youth is very very forgiving in terms of not worried about pressure, not worried about uh, what happened last year because there's not a last year. This is the first year, and maybe just maybe. Four freshmen is not the way. I, I, I'm curious. I didn't ask her. I don't know the answer. I was sort of like a lawyer. I was afraid to ask the question because uh, maybe you just brought in freshmen and they're so good that they they performed better than upperclassmen on the roster, and that's why you're playing four. Or maybe folks left early. I don't. I don't know the answer. But bottom line, you got one junior and four freshmen, and you're at the nationals. That's that's pretty doggone you've done, good. You've done well. All right. Uh, speaking of somebody who's done well, I mean, when what do you look when? at? I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about Tim Linnefeld. That's what I said. When? When? I mean, <laughs> at some point, this will no longer be on his resume, but at least for now, his weekly appearance on Front Row Knowles is still a bullet. It's nearing the bottom of the page, soon to be deleted, I think, but it's it's still on the resume. Well, let's see how long we can keep him around. All right. Our we kind of like him. Our Semmels.com insider joins us next on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, and as we say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, I need to point out that not only is he consistently excellent, he's also very flexible, which we do appreciate on a weekly basis. He joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Hey, Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? Does that mean he can touch his toes or with his fingers, or what does that mean? Uh, No, that wasn't the direction I was going, and I don't think we're going to continue the conversation in that vein either. Move, so, move ahead. Move ahead. So, uh, with Tim, in, in uh, full disclosure, as you're listening to this, Tim, we actually recorded this earlier in the week. Tim's uh, at the ACC meetings at Amelia. Uh, but there is a lot to talk about uh, in terms of FSU athletics, which I say that almost surprisingly. I mean, it's always postseason time for softball and baseball right about now, but it just feels like a little bit more. There's a little more meat to the ACC meetings. And I guess the, the bigger picture news, you have a you know a legendary head coach who coached his last home game most likely, and then we have a permanent AD. So that's a lot of meat for mid-May in FSU athletics, don't you think? No, it really is. Yeah, I know. It's, it, was, it was pretty interesting. In, in fact, uh, I made my, my travel plans to attend the uh, these meetings, I think, last Thursday, and then uh, – David Coburn was named the full-time AD on Friday, which means that his his first you know public comments with that title, with the full-time designation, would be over here. And, and so, I thought, oh, well, that, that works out pretty well. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's actually kind of weird uh, and uh, different over here, and just because I think like the last couple of years um, at the ACC meetings, uh, a big portion of it was uh, focused and centered around the the future of the ACC network, and is it going to happen, and what's it going to be like, and for the details, and you try to get every kind of little morsel uh, that you could uh, about anything uh, to do with it. Um, and then now this year, it's here, and everybody knows that it's coming, and everybody knows that it's happening. So it's, uh, it's a little different in that respect. Uh, but there's a lot of big topics of conversation. Um, you know, Leonard Hamilton and Willie Taggart both talk a lot about the, the transfer portal and then how that's kind of affected uh, the, you know, their different sports and, and kind of sort of the, the repercussions of, of, of guys and you know, how that's remaking programs. Uh, you know, Willie Taggart gave uh, some team news. He you know, talked to gave kind of a lap around the program. And then David Coburn uh, talked for a while just kind of about, you know, his uh, his state of things, his state of department, and, you know, his sort of priorities for uh, for his tenure as, uh, as the athletics director. And, and uh, as I wrote on Seminoles.com, they're, they're pretty much the same as they were when he took the interim uh, post back in September, which is he wants to uh, to stabilize the budget. He wants to uh, to rework the relationship between athletics and Seminole boosters, and uh, immediately, uh, meaning uh, in the next little while here, he wants to uh, to get a new baseball coach in place. You mentioned the transfer portal, and 
so this is interesting because to me it's been pitted as a you know it's good for the players bad for the coaches and and coaches have come out uh you know and there, i think there's this per- perception well it's probably reality they don't want to spend they don't have to re-recruit all their own players but the point that's not coming out is it does give them a mulligan if they have missed on folks and you can or somebody left and you need to fill a hole i mean leonard had success with it and, and willie's hoping to with some of the guys he's bringing in so i feel like it's kind of been a one-sided story that this the, the coaches are on the bad side and they're not fessing up that you know what if i got some guys that really can't perform i can go find somebody and maybe save the day a little bit yeah it can be but you know leonard's point today and, and coaches have made this point a lot um is that you know if a guy leaves and has the option to come back um how do you approach that as a coach? You know, when you only have so many scholarship numbers and so many roster spots, and uh, you know, do you do you wait and see, or do you plan as though he's not going to be there? And then, you know, look, it's not it's not completely black or white. I mean, you can there are mitigating circumstances, and you can kind of read between the lines on some things and analyze the situation. But his point being is that it can put uh, the coaches in a difficult spot sometimes, and it's sort of a new. Uh, new depth that they sort of have to navigate well i'm gonna disagree with you there because that that transfer portal doesn't have anything to do with what leonard's talking about true 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 yeah you're right and and that that, that's the part that befuddles me the coaches won't admit that they now have an opportunity and 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 i'm public disclosure i at first was not in favor of the portal i don't i thought it was wrong but i've come to understand that it works both ways if i'm taggart and i got three kids that i don't believe aren't going to make it I can invite them to enter the portal and see if I can't make a call or two on their behalf and get them somewhere well, where that, they would fit better. That's sort of my point that that's the there is a plus side for the coaches and we're only hearing and appropriately the, they don't want to talk about that because yeah. and and Tim you 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 jump in because you don't as a coach want to get the reputation of running off kids although we all know it happens. Yeah, that that part didn't come up. I'd be curious to see you know, there's however many football coaches here uh, in the Million Island. I would, I'd be curious. I bet you know maybe at least one of them would uh, would acknowledge that was something. It doesn't even necessarily have to be. You know, you kind of framed it in a in a way that it's sort of like deceptively self serving. But like, it's not doesn't necessarily have to be that way either. You know, if if a guy gets to a certain place and and it's clear uh, to all all parties after a while that it's just a bad fit or a bad marriage or whatever. And then, you know, maybe you can work together to, to find a more palatable solution. So that can be a good thing. Let's go uh, back to baseball now and Mike Martin because, uh, you know, we've all been associated here, and this has been talked about from a lot of different folks, but we knew the day was coming. And still, I, w- I went to the game on Sunday. Uh, to be fair, I got there late, so I missed the pregame, and I ducked out before the storm came. So I missed the postgame. But I was there from innings two to seven. <laughs> But uh, it just seems uh, – it, it still seems odd and kind of surreal to me to, that we witnessed that. Yeah, it's um, one of those things like you, you've known that it's coming. Um, and even still, once you actually see it or once you're actually there, it, it's hard to believe um, that it's happened. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm I'm of the generation, and, and I'm sure there's a lot of people with me. Uh, the, I mean, I've never known a Florida State baseball coach other than Mike Martin. I mean, he's been there since before I was born. Um, and so – you know, you can kind of look at it. I mean, it's it's not. Uh, I guess it's not all that dissimilar to to Bobby Bowden. Sort of like you know, you knew that it was coming. Um, you know, you know that uh, you know nothing nothing lasts forever, kind of thing. You're gonna have to move forward at some point. Uh, but once you're actually sort of faced with the reality of it, it all sort of hits you. And you're like, oh man, okay, here we are. Um, and it's a uh, it's a strange feeling for sure. Well, two things related to moving on. Number one. We haven't heard anything official from Florida State in terms of time frame, timetable, uh, when they want to make an announcement. Uh, first part of the question is, does, is, is that changed or do we know anything different? And number two, I suspect you tell me that with David now being the athletic director, not the interim director, he may actually make that decision, obviously in consultation with President Thrasher, but I think that puts him in a little better footing to execute what we expected would be executed, i.e. David's going to have a lot of say-so in, in who the next coach is. I think so. Uh, and, you know, I asked him about that directly, you know, where things stood with the baseball coaching search. And, you know, he, he, he didn't want to tip his hand too much, which I understood. But, you know, he said that, uh, in his opinion, uh, it's a uh, it's a premier program, premier job in college baseball, and, and that they have received interest that is commensurate with that. So, uh, so yeah, so obviously they're, they're drawing interest. 
Um, I know we all expect Mike Barton Jr. to heavily factor into uh, into that process. And, you know where it ends up, we'll see. But he's he's definitely going to be uh, you know factoring into that. Um, and then I you know I think we'll kind of go from there. You know it's interesting when you see um, I don't know how much you guys pay attention to you know like D one baseball or um, or you know some of those uh, those those baseball college sites that really cover college baseball and. They kind of indicate, you know, they don't they don't tip their whole hand either, but they kind of indicate that, you know, every time they talk about Florida State's job, they say that you'd be surprised if you were to hear some of the names uh, that would, could potentially have interest in, in coming to Florida State. And so I think if you're a Florida State fan, your natural response is, well, man, I want to – anybody who has interest, you know, let's, 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 hear, uh, let's hear who they are and, and let's, you know, measure it out and see uh, see how it goes. But, uh, but I, can, I can tell you for sure what David Coburn said, which is that, you know, they're happy with the level of interest that they've received, and that they're uh, they're very comfortable uh, that they're going to be able to make a good hire. Um, as for timetable, uh, you know, I, I I don't think it'll I don't think they'll announce anything before the season. Though, right? I'd be pretty surprised by that. You know, but before the Florida State season is over, or before the World Series is over. Well, certainly not before the Florida State season is over, and and you know, I would be surprised if it was announced before the World Series is over. You bring up a point there that I think we lose sight of because we get wrapped up in a lot of conversations about, uh, you know, Florida State needs to find more dollars. It needs more revenue from the ACC network. Uh, Geography is a challenge. But when you think about the tradition of FSU baseball and the fact there might be interest, even if there are, you know, we are in budget challenges right now. Uh, the one thing that we lose sight of is this is Florida and there's players in Florida. And, and every time I look at the Big Ten revenues – and all the money they're making, I start counting the few football championships they're actually winning if you look back over the last 40 and 50 years. So I, I do think the natural resources, if you want to call them that, being student-athletes in Florida, uh, that that should intrigue anybody for this program. Oh, yeah, man, absolutely. And look, you know, I, I understand that, you know, you, you, you're going to bring in a new coach, uh, or even if, like I said, even if it, if it turns out to be Mike Martin Jr., you know, he's, he's said publicly that, you know, he's not just here to – to you know, do things the way they've always done. You know, it's it's it's, it's a different thing. But I mean, look, like like you said, man, it's it's not all that dissimilar to football. I mean, there are there are athletes, there are baseball players, there are people who want to come to Florida State. Um, and so, yeah, you can look at the revenue streams or this or that or the other. But I mean, the Florida State in the baseball world still carries some pretty serious cash. And one of the things I hear David saying, uh, Ad Coburn saying, bet- reading between the lines, is that the interest is going to be from other coaches whose teams are still competing and getting ready for their ACC or their conference championship and their regionals and super regionals and potentially playing in Omaha. And that's, again, maybe a little bit thing, not necessarily unique, but given our situation, Florida State situation, with knowing that, that Martin was leaving, you can't expect Coburn to say, we've got the Arizona State and the USC and the Fresno State and 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 the North right, Carolina State t- coaches interested because they right. they still got seasons to finish, right, exactly. which is why I asked the question, knowing the answer. It'll obviously be after Florida State season is over, and it will probably be after the World Series is over, particularly if one of those coaches is involved in the in the in the interviewing process. I you know, and I'm not to say that it, that it couldn't come before that if you have a, a guy that you really like who's maybe from outside the ranks. So, um, but um, you know, all that said, I, it. It would be a self-imposed limitation, and if if you don't have to, I don't see why you would, uh, if that makes any sense. Side note related to baseball coaching, and you mentioned D1 baseball. There was an awful lot of talk for people get who get into college baseball about trying to get a, a third-time, a third-full-time assistant coach, and it, it was defeated did you, uh, in terms of that measure, so it's not coming right now. Did you have any conversations or do you have any background on where Florida State was on that and the ACC overall or just how adamantly for or against FSU was? I'm assuming uh, My understanding, and I could be wrong on this, uh, so you can put me on the radio, but don't quote me, um, is uh, that Florida State wasn't but some of the other conferences were not. I believe that is correct. Did you say was in favor of it? You broke up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, because it wasn't, you know, it was the, the way my understanding of it was, it wasn't a requirement. You didn't have to have add a third assistant coach. They had the option to, if you wanted to. Um, and but, now, you know, but, I understand that, um, it's, you know, that a lot of times you, you hear that and you say, yeah, I mean, it's, it's effectively a requirement, but it's really not. Yeah, but um, and you're you're not you're talking about. I would think you correct me if I'm wrong. You're talking about an eighty to a hundred thousand dollar total expenditure for a position, 
versus right. four hundred or five hundred thousand if you bring on another assistant coach of football. Right. Right. So, I was, um, I was just going to say. That seems like the kind of thing that I, I don't know when exactly, but you, you would kind of think about. I'll bet that comes about you know, sometime before too terribly long. Yeah, no, I think we're headed that way. And, and to your point, though, that it wouldn't have been required. Well, it's not required that you have a new shiny football facility either, but if you want to recruit, you're going to go get one. Or if you want to add uh, some seating capacity to Hauser Stadium and spruce it up a little bit, not required. Right. right. Yeah, same same line. All right, uh, we'll let you go on softball uh, real quick. There is this just formality? You know, they six in a row in the ACC championship. Are they we they're going to be ready for the hosting the supers next week at this time, or or uh, fill fill us in? Well, uh, you would think so. I mean, they've been there every year since 2013. They they roll through the ACC like it's nobody's business. Um, but you know, from from talking to people uh, around and then and people who you know, have kind of followed some of the teams in this region a little uh, more closely than I have at this point. Uh, it's not an easy region uh, by any means. Uh, USF, I think, is is a pretty good team. And, and you know, again, you're talking, we talk about the, the, the baseball players from the state of Florida. Well, you know, there's softball players here, too, and, and a lot of them end up at USF. Um, and then South Carolina is, is from the SEC, which, you know, nobody disputes top to bottom is the the best uh, best softball conference there is. I mean, they literally got every single school from the conference in the NCAA tournament, uh, which is kind of nuts uh, when you say it out loud. Um, so, you know, I, I don't. I, I think Florida State's definitely the favorite, uh, but uh, I, I don't know that necessarily. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a favorable draw either. So, uh, so you know, we'll see. I think playing at home is a big deal. They don't lose very often there. Uh, and, uh, and and we'll kind of see, but you know they didn't get they're not going to be able just to sleepwalk through it either. And given their their uh, position, fourth seed, I believe, if they win the regional, they will host the super regional. So playing on that home field, uh, Joe and Graff Field advantage right. will they're, continue. Uh, paired up with Oklahoma State for that. Gotcha, Tim. We'll let you go uh, back to that hard work uh, and drinking umbrella drinks at Amelia <laughs> Island. You know, rolling like you always roll. I found uh, I found Tim though. that the third tier, the third tier of the Ritz, is the preferable tier on the South Pool. Uh, okay. And ask ask for Walter. Uh, they Walter, call that the Jones Wing. Uh, yeah, Walter's who I usually use uh, when I'm there. Sounds good. I'll tell him you said hello. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tim. He puts up with us every week, and yet he still answers the phone when we call it's him amazing. again. Our a, glutton, a glutton for punishment. Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld. We'll come back, uh, clean up uh, whatever we messed up along the way. Or so, attempt they're at. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a long segment right after this. <laughs> Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Keith, have you noticed how I've changed the show around lately? I guess I haven't. Please share. Well, I've started booking additional guests, which just means I, you and I can interact less. And frankly, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I think I'm offended. Um, Tom, no, should I be offended? No, what made me think of it is we've only got four minutes to clean up everything else here. So we need a little more time than that. I, I need to show in a bucket. I need to share a story uh, about the animals from Sunday and 11's last home game. But first, should I segue speaking of buckets? Mr. Lang wanted to share something. Oh, go ahead, Mr. Lang. I was Lang. just going to respond to KJ. This is the age of being offended. So the answer is yes. Everybody's offended at all times. So I don't remember what the question was. There you go. By the way, <laughs> if we sound even better than usual, with due respect to Mr. Matthew, it's because Tom Lang is on the other side of the glass today. Well, Mr. Three Hat performer. He's, he's busy, but he carved some time in his schedule for us. Uh, a story about the animals coming up. What I was going to say is uh, we need to thank... Uh, our good friend Ron, do we not, at Cornerstone Tool and Fast. Very much Because so. we always do that at this point in the program. If you have do-it-yourself projects that need to be finished, say hello to Ron. Tell him we sent you his way. 580-1200. Visit him online at ctf.nu. They're on Stuckey Avenue or Crawfordville Highway. That's Cornerstone Tool and Faster. Go see him. Good folks. So I had to... I, I was at the game. I was watching this. Didn't think I saw it right. This is what happened in the fifth inning. Appropriately, Florida State with a rally right after O'Canada because they were trailing 2 nothing, put up a six spot in the bottom of the fifth. 
I'm I'm gonna say it was two two at this point, maybe three two. So the two home runs had been hitting, but had had been hitting. Good lord, fix that in post, will you? <laughs> the two home runs had been hitting. Anyway, they change pitchers, four pitch walk. So the animals are in the five, you know, four in a row. Starts the next batter, ball one, five in a row. All right, next pitch was borderline the ump calls it a strike so the count's one and one but the the animals call it six in a row all right next pitch ball two the actual count is two and one seven in a row the ump adjusts his count from two one to three oh and the other coach comes out irate and the ump sticks with the call and it's 3-0, and the next pitch is ball four, and this is how the bases get loaded in Florida State. This actually happened in a game. I've never seen that. I, never heard that. I watched it, and I thought, did I just see that? And then I hear the guy in one row in front to my right. He said, they just changed the count. And I, cause, and Laura's with me. She says, why is that coach fussing? I said, because the ump just changed the correct count to the incorrect count, <laughs> and that actually happened. Way so, to go, animals. So the Way animals, animals. The animals Serious question. We've only got a minute left. Are, not that the animals are associated just with Mike Martin. They've been FSU baseball, but because it's only been Mike Martin, is this? Are we going to turn the page, or are the animals oh, no. going to continue? Oh, they're no. going to continue. I, I so would suspect, if anything, they they're going to reinvent, themselves. redouble their efforts, and okay. and find new and creative ways to to be a, a, a fixture. I, I swear this happened six in a row, seven. <laughs> And the opposing coach, he almost got tossed at this point in the game. I'm thinking, you can't get tossed when the legend is over there. You've got to stick around for that. But then I thought about it. I'd have been pretty upset about that one, too. How how are they going to do in Louisville? Uh, I'm optimistically hoping for one. I would agree. But you know what? With Parrish and Van Eyck, I mean, literally, you could win, too. They've won, what, six ACC series in a row, five in a row. You really can win, too. Here's the most amazing thing that happened on Sunday, and I'll end on this. It wasn't the end of an era with Martin. It was that I actually witnessed a baseball game with no errors. That happened on Sunday. Get out. It happened on Sunday. Hopefully it happens this weekend. I think you're confused. I think there was an error, and the animals said, we want no errors. We want well, no, no And the they changed error, the error it officially. was by the home plate umpire, but I'm talking on the field for FSU. All right, we're out of time. there was one. We'll do this again next week. He's, he's Keith. I'm Tom. And a special thanks to uh, Tom Lang. T. Lang. Sitting in. We'll talk to you next week, everybody.